Hello and welcome to Dark Concepts, a supernatural horror podcast written and read by me, Brian J. Cummings. Well, I uh, hope everyone is doing well, especially at this point in time. I have a crazy situation going on in the world at the moment. Um, just a little reminder. <laughs> try to stay inside. Um consistently and thoroughly wash your hands and don't touch your face. Um, I feel everyone at this point in time has been beaten to death, but it doesn't hurt to remind people. Um, but there's something I think that is a little bit more important to keep in mind. Actually, it's not more important than washing your hands. It's pretty, pretty fucking base, but I feel like I need to say something about um, the feeling of fear that's basically tangible in the air as you go outside. Um, Just a quick question. Um, Why do we read stories? Horror in particular. We do so to figure out how to solve problems albeit vicariously, to live in someone else's shoes to figure out how they deal with extraordinary events without having to put ourselves into those circumstances. Um, so what do the protagonists do at times where everything seems hopeless? When their back is to the wall and the horde is coming and everything is just looking really bad. They stand and they fight. They're brave in the face of adversity and the threat of death. So, um, this is a little message just to try to embody that bravery as much as you can. Um, the anxiety out there is just insane. Um, and I think it's crucial for all of us to remain calm at the moment. So yeah, uh, be brave, be calm, and just as important to never abandon that compassion. Especially for those of us who get lost in the fear and can't find our way back. Uh, We're separated at the moment, but that doesn't mean we have to lose touch with what makes us human. Oh yeah. Um, Also, for the love of all the coffee and wine in the world, stop hoarding the fucking toilet paper. Please. But yeah, jokes aside, um, though it's not really a joke, um, <laughs> bravery has a lot to do with tonight's story, which delves more into dark fantasy than it does horror. Um, it's fitting not only because of the spring equinox, which we just had, but also because of our current circumstances. Um, also, before we get started, uh, stick around after the story for my favorite podcast recommendation, since we're all stuck inside and have time to listen to things. Um, I'm just going to plug a lot of my favorite podcasts afterward. Um, and I also have them linked in the description below. So, uh, yeah, for now, on with the story. Amara's family made a pact long ago of being the arbiters of spring. And although many think of spring as being bunnies, bright sunny skies, and warm weather, many don't realize the means of bringing about a new season is often paid with a considerable cost. 
The Rise of Astara For Amara and her family, the coming of spring didn't bring the usual thoughts of budding flowers or the feeling of hope and dancing on the warm breeze. It brought upon thoughts of blood, of sacrifice, of death. As she sat on her mother's front porch, overlooking the dark forest on the night before spring, she couldn't seem to rid herself of the chill in her bones. It had been a year since her older sister, Esther, had taken her place in the great order of things and vanished into the night, never to return. And now it was her time. Would she come back? It was obvious her sister had done her part, defeated the winter spirit, banishing it from the world, so that the spirit of spring could have her time. But it clearly cost her her life. It's in her blood, Amara, her mother had told her long, long ago, the night before she herself departed into the dark woods and never returned. It was a sacred pact, the blood oath sworn to the old and dead divinities of an ancient forgotten world, when spring wasn't just an emergence of the sun, but a conquering of the world's death, a recitation at the very brink of annihilation. But could there be another way? She stood as the final gasp of winter stole upon the already greening field before the swaying trees, as if calling her name. Her bare feet feeling numb against the warm wooden planks on the porch. The brief flashes of warmth of the past few days were no promise of better times to come, but a reminder to her and her family of what must be done to bring it into fruition. For every season brings upon a new deity, not the same one reborn, and it was up to her to coax the new spring deity from the depths of the earth. It was she who had to attain the banishing flame, the only thing that would cast off the monstrous winter spell upon the land. She must find the sacred tree, the one who guards and harnesses the true power of the sun, the key to defeating the bleak coldness of winter. She walked along the worn path, and she could almost see herself stepping into the bare footsteps of her sister from the year prior. As she stepped, she could hear the voices of the wild spirits, the elementals, those in which her bloodline was sworn to protect. Every season has its arbiters, and it is on those certain nights that these guardians of the equinoxes must perform their sacred duties to prevent a planetary reversal. Each season has its dominating spirit, and each dominating spirit must be dispelled at the end of its turn for the next to come into dominion, completing the cycle of life on the planet. And it is done for each hemisphere. But sometimes the spirits don't want to leave, and the arbiters of the next season must intervene so that the next can take place. Winter always seems to linger on far longer than its allotted time, and the spring arbiters must always dispel it. Which is why the spring arbiters, like Amara, are raised to be warriors and not priests, overburdened with methods of ritual magic. Spring into summer is usually a peaceful ritual, a passing of a baton, symbolizing the dominion of the hemisphere. Summer into fall, which is a willing sacrificial offering of the spirit with a scythe. 
And fall into winter is a peaceful resignation. Spring must fight to be, however, for it is spring that the whole cycle can begin again. And this year, it is up to Amara to make it happen. She found the tree simple enough. Her mother had made sure she knew where it was, the ancient bark inscribed with sigils. She had heard the descriptions of the awakening, but had never seen it done. She pulled out her ritual knife and with a wince, pulled the blade over her palm. Amara placed her bloody palm upon the sigil carved into the old tree, but the moment her hand left the cracked and peeling bark, the tree began to shudder in violent spasms and thrash its great branches. Amara dove out of the way just as a massive branch hurled toward her. Slowly, the tree resumed its normal position and revealed a large opening within the trunk like a cavern, bleak and dark. She pulled herself from the muddy ground and peered inside to see a moss-covered passageway leading down into the loamy soil. Elation and fear gripped her as she took her first steps down towards the unknown, heart pounding in her temples, treading downward towards her destiny. She traveled downward into the pitch darkness, keeping a hand against the rough wooden walls of the passage. She could feel the air growing thicker and warmer, the ground thawing beneath her feet. There was no going back now, no matter how hard her heart thudded in her chest. Soon she felt the wall fall away and could sense that she stood before an opening. She took a deep breath and treaded forward. Upon her bare foot contacting the stony ground, a flame shot up in the center of the room, setting several torches arranged around a massive stone altar alight. She stood and stared at the altar. A massive carving of the great goddess of spring, Astara, stood wielding a sacred torch bearing the sun's flame. Amara glanced over the burning torches and realized before she could take one, there was one more ritual she had to perform. The one that would allow her to enter the lair of winter, where the dying god resided. Her hand still throbbed from the gash sliced upon it, and though it was slowly stopping, the blood still flowed. She approached the altar and whispered the sacred words her mother had told her again and again over the years, words committed to memory. She placed her hand on the altar, stained black with eons of blood, and the chamber began to shake. She grabbed the nearest torch as the wall beneath the star began to shudder and sink into the ground. She closed her eyes as an icy gust of stale air exploded from within the chamber, and all the torches were snuffed to smoke except for the one she held clutched in her hands. She held it out away from her as the tip of it exploded in a fiery rage, as if all the flames now concentrated their whole might into this single torch. She could feel the fire, but knew it wouldn't burn her, at least until the fight was done. She pushed her way through the blowing, freezing air and stepped into the lair of winter. She glanced around and saw a night world covered in snow and ice. Several yards away, she could make out an old tree, a tree that looked exactly like the one she had entered. But this one was withered and dead, and standing below it was a tall hunched figure cloaked in a white robe. 
Winter had a long white beard that nearly touched the ground, and he stared at her with black holes where the eyes should have been. The skin wasn't skin at all, but looked to be made of ice. He smiled, revealing blue mottled gums and jagged ice-like teeth. So you are the valiant arbiter of spring sent here to kill me, he boomed, the voice of winter sending icy jolts through her bones. If it hadn't been for the enchanted torch, she surmised she would have been frozen instantly in his presence. She stood before the god, seeing now that he was in fact a giant, standing at least twelve feet in height. My name is Amara, and I am indeed the arbiter of spring. Your reign has ended, and it is time for the spring equinox to, to come. Will you go willfully? Or will you challenge the will of the seasons? Winter laughed, the sound like chipping bone. I accept your challenge, was all he said and waved a hand, sending up a blinding gust of snowy air. Amara held the torch out and fell forward onto her knee in free hand, bracing herself as the wind broke around her. She watched as the flame of the torch flickered slightly and seeing the stale frigid air bending around the heat of the flame. The fight had been initiated, and now she had a small window of time to defeat Winter. She could feel the bone-shattering cold licking her as she held the torch with everything she had. With a burst of strength, Amara charged into the wind, using the heat of the flame to shield her. A laugh like a crack of thunder exploded, and a gust of hurricane-force wind caught Amara, sending her sailing across the snowscape, landing hard on a patch of ice. Her hand clasped numbly to the torch and watched with horror as the flame flickered and went out, leaving nothing but the dull glow of embers. She was running out of time. Upon standing up, she felt something shift in her ribcage, and a bolt of incredible pain let her know that she was injured. It was in that moment that she looked over to see the waving piece of cloth in the corner of her eye. She saw a corpse there, partially decomposed, but still recognized the sparse ritual robe of robin's egg blue, speckled with gold and green, and the burnt-out torch still clasped in her frozen hand. It was her sister, Esther, and the flash of rage overtook the pain in her ribs. The rising rage also brightened the flame in her torch, and she clasped it with both hands like a sword and charged at the god as the flame grew to a towering height. For the first time, concern and uncertainty flashed across the pale face of Winter as he sent another gale at Amara, but it seemed to have no effect as the icy snow melted below her feet, revealing brown grass below. In her wake, the snow receded, and the grass immediately began to green and wildflowers bloomed. Concern turned to horror as Winter realized that he was out of his depth. Amara came within several feet of Winter as he stepped backwards and she raised the torch like a massive sword and brought it down upon him. With a grievous scream, Winter was struck with a towering flame and his body shattered into thousands of icy fragments. Amara had to shield her face as the frozen shrapnel cut into her cheeks and arms. When she opened her eyes, 
She could still see the torch, but the landscape had changed dramatically. The air was warm, but the sky was no longer covered in gray clouds, but a bright clear blue. The sun shone with a brilliance unequaled, and she saw that before her, where an old gnarled tree stood, was now a small pond with a budding tree, with a statue of a woman encased in ice, holding out her hand. As she stepped up to the altar of Ostara, her bare feet thankful to be treading on warm grass, she watched the ice retreat. She held out the torch to the frozen woman and placed it in the outstretched hand. When the torch was placed there, the stone retreated to reveal skin, and a woman stood where the statue once was. She smiled, her amber eyes trained on Amara's. There were no words passed between the two, but a simple understanding as Astara held out her hand towards a place behind the tree where a rose-covered archway appeared and a blinding light shone through. Amara bowed to Astara and stepped past the spring deity, but stopped upon reaching the archway to see Esther standing there. She was wearing a ritual robe, her skin warm and glowing, her eyes alight, and reached out her hand to Amara. She didn't say anything but smile, and with tears in her eyes, led Amara through the archway. Amara woke on a patch of green grass, the only one in the frost-covered woods. She got up and stretched, as if waking from sleep, and began walking down the cold path back to her mother's house. When she saw it, she stopped. The tree she had slept under was the tree she had entered the night before. No longer gnarled, but reaching towards the sky as if to meet the warmth of the morning sun, its branches covered in tiny buds. Winter was over. The world had begun anew. Thank you for listening. Um, I've, as you could tell, I changed the music up in this one. Um, did it all myself. Um, if you liked what you heard, let me know. Um, you could leave a, a like, a rating, a review, and subscribe if you so desire. To explore these concepts further or just keep up on what's happening with the podcast or any of my written works, brianjcummings.com is a great place to connect and learn more about what's going on behind the scenes as well as read the stories in a type format. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday I release two-sentence horror stories. Those links are listed below. And as I said in the beginning of the show, I'm going to plug some of my favorite podcasts here. Um... And they're going to be listed below as well. Uh, Spellcast, of course. Um, Jim Harold's Campfire is awesome. Uh, Two Girls, One Ghost, Euphemet, The Box of Oddities, Obscure Anomalies. It's great. Um, the Paranormal Podcast is another uh, Jim Harold podcast, which is great. Scare You to Sleep, which is very good. It's very well done. Um, Fabulous Folklore with Icy, which is awesome. If you're into folklore, that one's great. And also Fabled is another good one with folklore. And Little Stories in her 
intermingled with that. Um, Booze and Spirits is great. Um, Real Life Ghost Stories is probably one of my favorites. Um, Astonishing Legends, Lore, um, Unobscured, Unexplained, which is great. Knock Once for Yes, It's Haunted, What Now? Haunted Happenstance is great. And um, one of my all-time favorites is Hardcore History. Yeah, um, those are just some of the many podcasts I listen to. I just wanted to give a shout-out to some of my favorites. So hopefully they help you in this maybe quarantine kind of situation we have going on. So, um, yeah. I will return in two weeks' time with another tale channeled from the darkness of the witching hour. Until then, keep a candle nearby, because you never know when the lights will go out. You all know blah, blah, y- y'all in this. That's supposed to be you know all of this. Y'all in this. <laughs>